everybody. This is John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the podcast where culture is relative. Yes, it's time again for my mom, Bonnie Tatey, to share her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the classic game show. Let's bring Mom <laughs> in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. How are you? I'm good. Football season's starting. I'm looking forward to that. Did you watch last night? Um, I watched some of it last night, yeah. The Evil Knight Tom Brady. The Evil Knight. Well, I, you know, I just wanted to say that because people think we are a little too... Fond of him? Pro- yeah. But he sure did show his stuff. Yeah. Did you watch? You weren't up that uh, late, were you? No, I wasn't. But... Uh, I looked at this stuff this morning, and he's he's still got it. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah, I. Uh, some people may know I used to write a column about football, and I'm still trying to decide whether to do it this season as uh, an email newsletter. I'm I'm on the fence. Oh, really? Can I push you? No, I don't need. Everybody's pushing me. I don't need any more pushes. All right. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. It, it, if it isn't fun, then you shouldn't do it. If it's a, if it's an effort and you don't really have time, then you shouldn't do it because it takes a lot of time to put that column together. I know. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'm just trying to figure out if I want to be part of the broader conversation. If mm. I'm trying to, f- I would love to do it. And uh, it was, I really didn't watch too much of the kickoff uh, on Thursday because it was hard for me to watch without getting into column mode and finding a million yeah. things to say about things. Uh, I'm just not sure. I'm And I don't know. I'm just at a place in my life where I'm not sure, but okay. I'm happy to be doing the podcast. Here we are. So Here let's, we focus, are. let's focus on that. Um, okay. You know, we're uh, talking about game shows again, and uh, I did want to circle back on one story that we uh, followed, perhaps to our chagrin, which is Mike Richards. I think the last time we left off talking about the now former executive producer of Jeopardy, I said, well, don't lose any sleep over him. He's still got his job uh, as producer. <laughs> and. Now he doesn't. And honestly, when I was editing that that episode of the podcast and I heard myself say that, I thought, well, he does have his executive producer job for now. I wonder if that will stick. And um, sure enough, sure enough, he lost his job. And, you know, mom, I just started to before he lost his job, I just started to wonder, well, how is he going to function as Mm. the producer of this show? It's such a weird situation because like. I feel like he was brought on to handle this host transition and he handled it quite poorly. And, you know, I'm just, I think that the whole furor and the glee at trashing this guy's career when they found those old podcast episodes where he made some just stupid and um, ugly uh, jokes, you know, I thought the whole furor over it was, was gross. And I thought it was crazy that we were dedicating so much attention to Jeopardy, but I started to think like, well, why is this such a focus right now? And it's because of him. It's because of this whole process of these guest hosts. And um, meanwhile, behind the scenes, he's navigating to become the host. I just felt like, well, he bungled this. 
How does he go on mm. as executive producer, having failed to lead the show through this crucial moment? So I really, you know, it's been tough for me because I've met Mike Richards. He was so yeah. nice to me when we went out and uh, when he was producer of The Price is Right, we went out there and I had a great time with him. And I thought he was a great producer of this sh of that show. But, man, I'm, I'm just really disappointed in him, Mom. And I, um, uh, I'm just bummed about the whole thing. I'm bummed for the well, show. I'm bummed for him. Yeah. I'm angry at him for having said those dumb things on the podcasts and and for not who understanding. Hasn't? Who hasn't, though? I mean, uh, I, uh, I agree. And I said it on that episode, like, hey, everybody said the wrong thing. You know, I also said you pay consequences for the things you say sometimes. And yeah, yeah. It's just a bad situation all around. But it was a situation of his own making. However, you try to reconfigure it is my problem. Yeah, yeah. And I do think um, it is a brutal business. No, there's no doubt about it. It's a yeah. brutal business. Uh, and we've seen this time and time again with people that have been trashed and then dismissed and, and never heard of again. Um, and we all feel like, well, there, I did a good job taking the trash out. <laughs> um, but, you know, I guess it's like it's like revenge, you know, you think, yeah. all right, I'm going to get revenge. And when you do, it's never as sweet as as you think it should feel. <laughs> you know, it should it should feel like screwing the lid on perfectly the first time. <laughs> and it just it doesn't it there. It, yeah. So I think everybody has behaved very badly in this situation. I'm going to say we've lost complete interest in the show. It just seems like a big mishmash. And it's so caught up in itself that it doesn't really care about us anymore. And Yeah. Well, I, I really think there's something to that, Mom. And I read uh, an essay in the Washington Post that was contributed by uh, this former Jeopardy contestant named Arthur Chu. Um, now, Arthur gained a brief reputation as something of a Jeopardy villain because he would jump. Oh, I read that. You read that? So you read yeah. that essay? And yes. Man, you know— I guess, you know, this guy's kind of a rabble rouser online. I don't know what people think of him more generally. I didn't really know him aside from when he was a contestant a few years ago. But I thought he really hit the nail on the head because what he basically said is all of the focus has come away from the contestants on the show. And it's all mm. about these hosts. And it's like it's not what Jeopardy is about. And he pointed out. I don't know if this contestant is still going because I haven't watched in a few weeks, but he pointed out that there's a contestant who at the time he wrote it was on this incredible run, third yeah. biggest money winner ever. And, you yeah. know, sort of a Ken Jennings, James, um, help me out. Holtzauer. Thank you. James Holtzauer type run that nobody was talking about or even right. noticing because all yeah. the fixation was on this host business and I thought he was exactly right this whole parade of guest hosts and all the maneuvering yeah. over so um you know I just think Mike Richards blew it on this one and I yeah. again I feel bad for him but also he blew it he blew it uh, he so. blew it because if you sit back now and I realize it's very easy to be a Monday morning quarterback I understand that but looking back on it, every two weeks we had to get used to somebody new, yeah. uh, like or dislike, um, get used to their tone of voice, how they reacted. And it was a lot of work. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of work. And if you didn't care for somebody, you could say, well, they'll be gone in two weeks. But you're not focusing on the game even at that point. You're just, you know, you're, you're just thinking, well, I was just thinking, all right, I like this host. Let's stop here. But it was a, per, you know, cavalcade of stars. Yeah. Uh, and it just turned into a big circus, I thought. Yeah. Well, and we're not even watching it now. We're just, it's just too, it's too chaotic. It's too caught up in itself. Yeah, I think that's well put. And I don't think that's an uncommon story. So, uh, boy, yeah, I really think Arthur Chu nailed it um, when he he crystallized it by saying the show is supposed to be about the contestants. Um, and, you know, just these average citizens coming along and showing how smart they are. That's yeah. the heart of the show. Right. Um, and... Uh, not that we need to canonize the man any further, but Alex understood that. Uh, yes. Innately. So, and I guess in the end, Mike Richards did not, which is, you know, it's so surprising to me, and I'll, I will let us move on because I don't want it to be 100% game shows uh, for people who aren't <laughs> interested in this episode. But, you know, he was so good on The Price is Right about remaking the show around the contestants and letting, you know, again, I have a whole video about this that is somewhat dated now because I spent the last few minutes of it saying, hey, Mike Richards, doesn't he do a good job with producing stuff? <laughs> Whoops. But he really did do a good job on that show of refocusing the show on the cavalcade of wacky contestants. Yeah. Um, and even even Drew wrote uh, something about it. Drew Carey, the host, and, you know, saying what a good job he did and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So. Oh, recently or, or? Yes, recently. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing is just a shame. And on that happy note. Oh, are you hosting now? Okay. Yeah, take it away. <laughs> well, can I interject here very quickly uh, that I just saw a clip this week of Sean Locke. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Speaking of happy it, note. <laughs> well, this did make me laugh. Uh, he reads a book uh, on one of the episodes of uh, Countdown. Countdown, and uh, it's it's a take. It's a real children's book, which mm -hmm. I have sent to your children. I hope they don't have it already. The tiger comes to tea, and he has used all the same sort of graphics and shows us a book called uh, A Tiger Comes for a pint. Yeah, the and tiger it, who came in for a pint. Who came yeah. in for a pint. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I knew I was going to screw that up. And it's just hilarious. It's just as funny as uh, Carrot in a Box. So I had not <laughs> seen that. And I was just very, I loved it. It was very funny. Okay. So. We're, we're catching up on a lot of loose threads here. This is uh, Sean Locke, the uh, sadly recently deceased uh, comedian who Mom and I discovered on the show 8 Out of 10 Cats Does Countdown. And if you want to see a bit he did on this show, just search YouTube for The Tiger Who Came In For A Pint. Um, what, what The Tiger Who Came In For Tea? Is that the name of the actual book? The, the tiger who came to tea. Who came so to you'll tea. So okay. you'll be reading that on Sunday when it arrives at your doorstep. <laughs> okay. On Sunday, huh? All right. That's what Amazon says. Now, Mom, you told me it's medical week in New Hampshire. It's Is medical week. Just for you or everyone? Well, I had to include Dad to get in today. He went to see the physical therapist today. But this week I went and had my teeth cleaned on Tuesday, which I hadn't done since a long time 
like <laughs> like since the pandemic. I'm so confused as to when we started shutting down for the pandemic, but it's since then. And let me tell you, I just don't know. I don't know. Do we really need to go every six months and have this done? Because this didn't take any longer. She didn't say, oh, your teeth are a mess or, oh, you should have come in sooner or anything like that. It was just la-di-da and out. So I don't know if that's a scam or not. I think six months is a scam. I once went 10 years without a cleaning. What? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't recommend that. I don't think that's a very responsible adult thing to do. But because I do hate the dentist so much, I yeah. went 10 years without going. Well, I understand that. But and I then I started. Once a year, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. You. Once a year is fine. Once a year is fine. I that, You know, I started, I was like, I'm going to be an upstanding citizen. And if they say every six months, I should do it right. Be a grown up right. is what I said to myself when right. I started going to the dentist again. And then I think I've told this story on the podcast, you know, they start selling me on the appliances and, oh, it looks like your <laughs> teeth are impacted. Are you grinding your teeth? Well, I don't think so. Does your jaw ever hurt? Uh, once in a while. Up, oh, up. Oh, you need the mouth guard, the night guard. $400 mouth guard. $600 it was. Oh, and my God. I, they bullied me into it and I got it. I put it in my mouth once and I said... This hurts more than anything yeah. I've ever had, you know, than any of the pain you're telling me this is going to resolve. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, you have to wear it for a while before. Yeah. And I was just like, you know what? For, just I'm suspicious of this whole thing from the beginning and feeling very stupid about having yeah. dropped half a thousand dollars on this thing yeah. um, that I didn't think I needed in the first place. And I just didn't go back to I haven't been back to the dentist in like four years again because... And again, I, everybody out there, this is not a responsible adult speaking. Like, I should go to the dentist, and I will. But also, I hate, I hate going I to the know. dentist. Not just the, on top of the pain and misery of, you know, I rarely have a cavity or anything like that. Um, but I did have orthodontics for the longest time when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so that's part of it, too. I just I start to sweat the, as soon as I get in the office just because it's the I'm feeling the pain um, without feeling it, if that makes sense. Well, I like to go into my dentist's office because I have told them all, I hate being here. I hate all of you. I'm tired of being hurt. Um, the dentist may not use that jabby poles thing. He sticks in my mouth and get me out of here as fast as you can. Now, once I made that declaration, when I go in, they all are so happy to see me. I have no idea what they they. <laughs> Maybe they think I was kidding, but I wasn't. <laughs> I, I wasn't kidding at all. And I say, you know, please get me out of here as fast as you can. I hate being here. I hate everything you're doing. And there you go. And they think that's hilarious. <laughs> I'm and sure they appreciate. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure they appreciate your honesty. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, I didn't think of that, but... Uh, <laughs> I didn't think of that. But they all say, oh, look at you. Look how you got all dressed up for us. We're so happy to see you. And so I I don't understand our relationship. But you can get a $30 mouth guard at the drugstore that's just as good as your $600 one, should you need one. Try which that I, first, which everybody. Which I don't. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, you know why I, I need a mouth guard? Because I have all porcelain caps on my front teeth. Oh. And I would like to protect them. Hmm. All right. All right. All right uh, so, this, so- uh, this portion of the podcast brought to you by the National Mouth Guard Association, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so let me just tell you this. So Wednesday, I went for a mammogram. Now, this is a test you have no experience with. And it is uh, a pretty uh, humiliating, joyless test. It's a wonderful test. Uh, Saves, I'm sure, I'll say millions, I guess, of lives. So it is a wonderful test. However, it's there's no humility that isn't uncovered in in this whole thing. Somebody is manhandling your, uh, as Patty Deutsch used to call them, your upper frontals. (laughs) and mashing them but my favorite part is at one point she had everything in place and then she kept running her hand uh from under my chest down like she was trying to make my stomach not part of the x-ray and she kept running her hand she must have run her hand like four times over my stomach and i really wanted to stop and tell her that it, that wasn't going to work. <laughs> You've tried that. <laughs> I'm sure I've tried it. Not not consciously, but I'm sure I tried it. And she just kept doing it. And I thought, I, I'm just going to burst out laughing if she does this too many more times. So I just wanted to share that with you, that there's moments of levity. You know, you get into these situations at the doctor and you feel a little funny or feel, you know, like when I'm getting ready for my rectal exam and yeah. you know, grabbing oh. my knee and pulling that up to my chest on the examination table there. Like, it's this whole internal debate like, well, this is humiliating. Well, there's no reason <laughs> to be humiliated. Right. This is, we're all right. adults here. This is a professional. <laughs> like, it's just the back and forth of like, I am, feel so embarrassed right now. But how and then you but how silly that is. And right. I just right. it's just that until the doctor leaves the room at that at that point. <laughs> I know. And let's don't make eye contact ever again. Yeah. Which is, you know, like I say to um and all the time, like the doctor's seen a million things worse than you. Um, right. So you're not, there's no surprises. Yeah, you hope. <laughs> but nonetheless, yeah, I feel you. Well, I, I hope you're in good health after all these checkups. Yes. Yes, that was, uh, those were both good. And good. then yesterday I went and um, had a panorama. I'm not sure that's quite the right word. X-ray of my mouth to get two implants, two teeth implants. So how many teeth do you need in there? Good Lord. Two. Is that all? And that'll bring your grand total to what? Two. (laughs) Um, well, actually this is something I was going to ask you. Uh, my other implant has daddy's initial on it. And I was hoping to initial these two teeth in your children's initials so what oh, do you wow. think that's weird <laughs> well it's free so i want to have it um i think wow I, I, mean, it's I, guess a, it's, I guess it's fine with me but i don't i don't want to participate in this dental tribute really 
It's just a letter. It'll just be an L for Leo and an Eve. An E for Eve. An E for Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Those so, are their you names. Know, it's not like big hearts and a arrow through it. And it's no, just that, a that little. almost makes it weirder. I've never heard of this. <laughs> well, have you ever seen the tattoo on my other implant? No. It's, a, it's called a tattoo? It's called a tattoo, yes. Uh, I got a J. I got a J for dad. Oh, that's nice. Didn't I ever tell you this story? Because let me just tell you this real quick, okay? Because the whole time Dr. Gutzel was doing it, he kept saying, uh, we can turn this into a heart or we could turn this into a something. And I said, um, uh, Dr. Gutzel, is is everything all right at home? <laughs> he was so, he and I, he, he went on to tell me that his daughter was dating a young man whose name was, um, it started with the same letter as daddy's name, John, and he wasn't too fond of him. So he, he was really thinking of his daughter. Oh, while he, he was, was projecting. Yes. He was projecting onto your teeth. Yes. But his daughter married somebody else. So it's a happy story all the way around. Oh, that's nice. How would the J turn into like an upside down crooked heart? I'm trying to picture how you. Would I don't know because I J. don't know how he was looking at. But he was he had several options. Oh, you could turn this into a fishing hook, or uh, <laughs> what the hell else could a J be? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it I could be an upside funny. down candy cane if we just put some red stripes uh. on it. <laughs> So that's that. Uh, that the, was my week. Uh, the last thing I have in my notes before we get on to our review, Mom, is something happened to you at the farm stand? Well, this is where I, this is a quick one, too. I want to just say everybody, everybody should just take a deep breath and relax. We're all very uptight. Oh, we went, yeah. I went to the farm stand and it opens at 1030 now because they don't have any help. So it opens at 1030 and a woman and I was standing outside waiting for it to open because they only get one loaf of olive bread every week. And I wanted to get it this week. So I was standing right at one? the ready. One. They get one. They get hundreds of this cheddar and something and, you know, everything I don't want. But olive bread I really like. Mm. So a woman came up. <laughs> probably you. Yeah. Um, a woman came up. And it was very close to 1030. But they're very strict about this This. Mm time and she opened the door and she went in and they said oh we're not opening it so she came out and she must have said 10 excuses i thought it was 10 30 uh, i have a lot more time left in my day than i thought i did and she went on and on and i just i wanted to turn to her and say relax nobody cares you walked in it was an accident relax just chill yeah. but you know i it took me too long to form that whole idea so i just let her go on but she she kept going on and on and i i felt so bad for her and 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 here as it turns out i'm talking about her so i did remember <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing yeah but it, you remembered but it, this idiot who went into the farm stand <laughs> early can you imagine oh <laughs> But I just think maybe we're all uptight like that and we just need to relax and give ourselves a little break. 
Well, it's hard. It's a hard thing to give to someone that relaxation. I came out of um, my studio here, which is just uh, it's a studio apartment I rent that's a couple blocks from the house. Um, Since during the pandemic, I couldn't really go to my little office I had anymore. So I made a little office for myself and it's in this studio apartment. And I came out of the building the other day and um, uh, out by the sidewalk, there was a woman with her U-Haul parked. right near the alley and she said to me are you by any chance the owner of this blue car here (laughs) and i said no i'm not and i'm going to guess that i'm thankful that i'm not the owner of that car and she said yes i i um i bumped into their headlight which like with the u-haul is almost guaranteed to happen i mean right I'm sure experienced drivers know this, but give U-Hauls a wide berth on the road because you've got someone who has no idea how to drive something that exactly. big, driving yep. something that big. And so she yep. smashed this person's headlight and she said, I called the the building management, but they don't have any information on people's uh, cars. Like, yeah, of course, the building doesn't, it's not keeping <laughs> license plates for everyone. Uh, <clears throat> but and she said, I just, oh. I just want to do something more than leaving a note. And I said, well... I think you've done all that you can and you're moving. So go ahead and finish moving in. And, you know, what more can you do than leave leave a note? That's you've done yeah. your duty as a citizen. And she said, oh, well, you know, I'm from Michigan. So I, I'm just I guess I'm just more compassionate. And I said, oh, more compassionate than me, the Chicago yeah. jerk. Yeah. Right? Where, where you're moving in. Yeah. Well, you- I guess I'm just more compassionate. She said, no, 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 that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I said, hey, listen, uh, welcome to the building uh, and, <laughs> you know, and have a good move. And I absolve you of bumping into the headlight. It's something any any one of us could have done. And she said, OK, OK, thank you. And then I walked away and I was thinking, who am I to absolve her of bumping <laughs> into the headlight? It's not my oh, headlight. Somebody else. Yeah. But I was just like, I wanted her to feel better. So I just did what I could, yeah. you know, because it'll get sorted out. It's a headlight. It happens. <laughs> and she was just moving is hard enough without beating herself up over that. But what could I say? I she, know. She wasn't going to listen to me anyways because I'm such an uncompassionate right. asshole. Living Chicago. In Chicago. <laughs> From Chicago. Ugh. Plus, my experience of Michigan does not line up to what this uh <laughs> To what this person said I'll, I'll just put it that way um it's not like i go to michigan and i'm like oh wow everybody's so much nicer here than a couple hundred miles away in illinois Woo, watch out watch your back what a thing to say though i just thought that was so funny and she it was in a funny. state you know right so yes. i forgive her i don't yes. i don't care but i just thought what a funny well the thing is i'm from michigan so i have compassion <laughs> unlike you <laughs> Oh my God! I hope I didn't. I hope your halo didn't slip when you backed into the. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> but you can't make someone relax when you're in a state like that, and that's, yeah, I guess. Uh, I just wanted her to feel welcome, even after she basically called me an asshole by implication. But. <laughs> Uh, right. Should we get on to our review, Mom? Yeah. Okay. Yes, we should. This week, Mom and I are reviewing the classic game show, Whew. 
If there is such a thing as a holy grail for game show fans, this 1979 game show might be it. Widely beloved among aficionados, but largely unseen for the last 41 years, aside from a tiny handful of VHS recordings that have survived. Spelled W-H-E-W exclamation point and pronounced... The title might be hard to say, but it is apt for a game as frantic as this one. Contestants take turns playing the role of blocker and charger on giant Jeopardy-style game boards. The blocker places hidden traps on the board, after which the charger gets 60 seconds to charge up the six levels of the board by correcting trivia bloopers, bits of trivia with errors in them that the contestant must quickly correct. The winner moves on to the Gauntlet of Villains bonus round, where they must apply their trivia knowledge to get past a row of ten life-size cartoon baddies. As announcer Rod Roddy says in the opening, it's enough to make you say, here's a clip. You have 60 seconds on the clock, so giving me the level and the dollar amount charge. Level 140. 140. In 1949, Cary Grant starred in the light-hearted comedy, I Was a Male Contraceptive. Nurse. Same level one. 50. 150. In West Side Story, it was the Jets against the Oakland Raiders. Sharks. Charge. Level two, 30. 230. After Snow White bit the apple, she felt dopey. Sleepy. Charge. Level three, 40. 340. Four. Three, two, one. Same level three. Level three, 10. 310. In 1954, James Mason played a very drunk actor in A Star's Bomb. Four. Charge. Level four, 10. Four, 10. In 1961, Sydney... Vintage episodes of air weekday afternoons on the Buzzer Network. Check your cable listings or visit buzzertv.com. That's B-U-Z-Z-R-T-V. There's no E in there. Mom, does make you say <laughs> woohoo or P-U? Um, a, a little bit of both. I'm going to be <laughs> honest with you. Um, I just... Uh, it's it's a it's a lot it's a lot for a half hour let me just say that uh well first let me tell you the things that i that i like about it yeah okay i do enjoy tom kennedy yeah i do enjoy tom kennedy is the host tom kennedy let me oh i'm sorry yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. i do enjoy the premise of it it is a bit frenetic though (laughs) a bit it's it's first of all tom kennedy seems to spit on himself every time he says phew i don't know if you've know i've watched quite a few episodes maybe you haven't watched oh, as many i've watched every episode as soon as they okay. put it up i can't watch it live on buzzer but someone's been uploading each episode to youtube as it airs and i'm sitting here refreshing my youtube waiting for the next one to oh. go up yeah you don't have buzzer I have buzzer, but I, I, my day is structured such that I cannot watch oh. it at the time it comes on. I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Um, there's a, there's not one moment of silence. <laughs> this this half hour is packed full of people screaming for a half hour. It is, and it's it's incredible. It should be it should be in in the Operation Book of War. Uh, it's it. It's just like inundated constantly. You have to be very sober and <laughs> really <Not> in <me>. it. 
well then I don't know maybe that's a better way to tolerate it it's it just it's just moving and people are screaming all the time it is it's um I mean it's a, it's a game show designed to build to as many of these frantic 60 second um, stretches as possible in a half hour. So you have the setup of the blocker on this giant board. They pick six squares that are going to have blocks in them, traps where the person has to wait for five seconds before they can keep going. Um, and it's just all setting up to the, just the crazy 60 seconds. And the design of the questions... They're not really questions, so you might get something like you heard in the clip. You might get something like the initials ERA stand for enough ruckus already, and the contestant has to say, you know, equal rights amendment, right? Um, Right. But because they get that wrong information fed to them, like they have to listen to Tom read the question. As the time ticks down and they get more crazed to finish this uh, quest to make it to the top of the board, right. you can tell it gets really hard to, even though they might know the answer, it gets hard to process that wrong information coming at them and replace it with the right fact. So even the um, even the design of how, you know, that they're not just straight up questions, but they have to be right. corrected as another bit of confusion. And you can see it frazzle the contestants um, with the clock ticking down. And I think it's just another right. stroke of genius. I think this this is one of the best game shows ever made, but also one of the craziest. And I don't know how it ever ended up on TV. Mm. It's like a 10 year old game show nerd had a dream and they just put that straight on television because and that, that may be it. It's the, <laughs> the issue that I have in, in, in addressing what you just said is that Tom Kennedy is reading this. So you don't know, uh, we know because we can read it on the board um, as the phrase is, is mm-hmm. put to us. But the contestant doesn't know how long the, the sentence is. Uh, well, they can see. They can see the uh, they can see the questions on the but, board. But they ha- even if they know the answer, they either have to scream over him as he's screaming the <laughs> reading of the question. And we tend not to do that as polite human beings right and then not only that when they yell the answer then they tend to yell the next level uh uh, level two twenty dollars but tom kennedy has to yell charge so everybody's talking at once (laughs) that's that's part of the glory of it for me it's barely it's like you're watching a car go down the road and you don't know how it's staying together, you know, like there's smoke really? coming out of the engine. And, um, you know, you can tell that the production, they showed the first week of episodes to start this, so the, the premiere week. And yeah. they are still working out the kinks, as you would expect. Oh. Um, and, you know, yeah. the wrong sound effect is sounding or yes! they're flipping around the wrong thing. Like you can <laughs> tell it's just it was madness just making this show go. Tom Kennedy, I think, is the most underrated host um, compared to how good he was. He was such yeah. a great host. He never really had that signature show aside from Name That Tune, which never really ran in repeats um, to his bad luck. <clears throat> He never really and you, ha- don't, you don't know, you don't say, huh? I know you don't say, but that's not, nobody remembers you don't say. I mean, I've oh, seen it, I'm aware of it, but it's, um, 
I always loved that. He just hasn't really lived on in reruns the way other hosts have, but his yeah. uh, command of this crazy game astonishes me as I watch this first week of episodes. Because, yeah, there are moments where he gets tripped up or whatever, but I think there are very few people on Earth who could have come out on that stage day one and made this this game run with Mm. anything resembling coherence. His his hosting— He sort of rolled with it. He rolls with it. He injects excitement. I like the way he kind of, he varies the timing of when he says, now, giving me the level and the dollar amount. Charge. Sometimes he's fast. Sometimes he's slow. Like he just, he's into the game, but he's also like, he's cool enough so that he still maintains command. And he's not, you know, he's still a moderating influence, even though he's getting swept up in the energy of the game. I think he's the perfect host for this. I love seeing him work. I did. Uh, the shows that I watched on Sunday were a block uh, used to introduce us to this mm-hmm. uh, before it showed daily. Um, and as he went, he was going across the top, which is uh, where the player answers. Is it 10? Oh, the the gauntlet of villains, you mean? The, yeah. yeah. How many are? Ten. And then they yeah, win $25,000. Yeah. Uh, he gave a clue. And the the sequence is he gives the clue, uh, she gives the answer if she can, he or she, mm-hmm. um, but it, there's a time to it, a time limit, and then the uh, villain will give the answer and they have to move on to another one, mm-hmm. another question instead. And she said, oh, I didn't hear you. And I just thought, oh, my God, this this will never work. <laughs> I remember. I mean, yeah. Oh, I didn't hear you. By the time she was saying that, it was already too it late. It was all over. It was too late. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I want to tell you something about this. This game reminds me of, um, as you know, I played shoots and letters with Leo <laughs> and and Eve this this summer, and it went very well. It was very good. But I played shoots and letters when Ashton was little, like that. Mm-hmm. I played with him, mm-hmm. and. My nephew, um, is whom I'm talking about. Right, I'm yep. sorry. And I, you know, I let him do it his way. He might have been a little younger than Eve, mm-hmm. but you know, I would roll the dice and I expected that I was going to move along. But when it got close to me winning, I would roll the dice and he would say, oh, oh, I'm sorry. So sincere. When you roll that number, you have to move back that many <laughs> numbers so he had this game all like rigged he was very sincere uh he wasn't playing by the rules but his rules were very convenient for him um and i thought that reminded me of this game because it just seemed like what (laughs) what what are you trying i'm trying to roll with it but i am not getting it it took me a couple episodes to get up to speed because it just seemed like it was a different game every time. Well, it's a more complicated game than you typically see on a TV game show. Um, but which is why I think it's so beloved by aficionados, but it's also um, beloved by a certain slice of Gen X that fell in, in love with it during the uh, summer of 1979 um, because it aired at 1030 Eastern. Um 
And it's got cartoons all over it. Like the opening animation was animated by Hanna-Barbera. And it's and, you know, all those villains you see in the opening animation are then on the stage for the gauntlet of villains. That's why I say this is like a 10 year old's game show dream come to Mm. life. And indeed, kids really got into it that summer of 1979. But um, because they kept it at that 1030 time slot, once those kids went back to school, they couldn't they never saw it again. And um it only lasted a year in the end, but I think that game show nuts love it because it's uh, exciting. They don't mind the complexity of the game. Like, I like to see that. Yes, ex- make it a little more involved if you can make it this crazy and fun. And kids who don't really care about the rules of the game and just see right. people hopping up and down and screaming and going crazy uh, amid this cartoon. Um, you know, the whole set is done up in cartoon style, and I love the huge... Um, scrims they have that part um, when they're going to play the bonus round. You know, right, giant they look red like clouds. Yes, yeah, oh. bubbles and lightning bolts, and yeah, all of that together on the oh, screen. Oh, are they clouds? I've always looked at them as speech bubbles, but maybe they're clouds. Well, no, no. There's de- like the speech bubble is definitely a theme. You see it in the logo, okay. and the contestants have their names on little speech bubbles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking about just the giant red clouds right, that are on the right. um, set. In any case, Kids and game show nuts love this show. I can see how your average, uh, say, Jeopardy viewer uh, might be overwhelmed by the complexity and um, nonstop madness of this show. I love it, and I have never—it's appointment (laughs) viewing for me right now. Wow. I cannot believe this show has resurfaced. I thought we would never get to see it in full, aside from the little bits and pieces that were, like I said, were rattling around on YouTube. But this is as exciting uh, as uh, all game show nuts hoped it would for hoped it yeah. would be for me at least. And I'm it's gush- crazy. I'm gushing about something ridiculous that 99% of people listening are going to be like, "What? <laughs> what is the basis of this? I can't tell you. I just love game shows, and this is a high test game show for sure." Well, I'm going to tell you two things. Well, one, I'm going to ask you. But Daddy sat and watched this and just said, oh, this is awful. This is terrible. And then he'd come in and say, "Uh, do we have any views? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) He got weirdly addicted to it. Uh, Okay. So that that was one thing. The other thing is that having just read um, Women Who Made Television, I can't remember mm-hmm, now mm-hmm. the title of it uh sponsorship crucial so it would be very interesting to know who the sponsors of this were that maybe that had something to do with the longevity or lack of longevity for this show well i think <clears throat> that you know this Sponsors being attached to an individual show was less important by 1979 than it might have been in the 50s and okay. 60s um just because the structure of how all that was bought and paid for had transformed um, by that point in the century. But, yeah, I think it was mostly about the ratings, and the ratings were mediocre. Uh, toward the end of the show's run, they brought in celebrities um, to celebrity partners with the contestants. That didn't really mm-hmm. change the game that much, but they were trying to— um, you know, they were trying to draw viewers anyway. Jazz they could. it up, yeah. It, it doesn't need celebrities, <laughs> but the celebrities didn't really hurt anything either. Oh, oh, I have a question for you. Bloopers, who used it first? <laughs> yeah, I, I I, think that existed for some time before Hughes. Okay. 
Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, sports bloopers were certainly a thing before this. Fair enough. All right, Mom, what is your grade for? I'm going to give it an A. Oh, wow. I didn't expect that. So it won you yeah. over, too, then. Sounds like. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. okay. It, it will win everyone. Even if you think you hate it, you'll end up, you know, it's like, I can't think of something addictive that, that wouldn't be offensive. So, um, <laughs> it's addictive though. Yeah. There you go. Despite yourself, you know, dad's experience with it, I don't think is, um, is a rare one. Okay. Uh, Cause it does seem like a mess, but you really want to see someone get to the top of those six levels and you really want to see someone run the gauntlet of villains because it yes. is so hard. It's very, it's like watching, it's like driving by a car crash. You just have to look, you just have to turn your head. <laughs> it's something much happier than that. But in any it, case, oh, yeah. it's an A for <laughs> And thank you, Buzzer Network. And thank you, Wink Martindale, who was instrumental in the negotiations to get this show back on the air. Thanks, mm. Wink. Thanks, Wink. Mom, do you have a recommendation this week? I do. Uh, this is a very weird book to me. It's called Telephone by Percival Everett. Uh, it's a story of a professor of geology and something. His specialty is a, 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 a small cave in Colorado. Um, and his marriage is sort of meh. And his pride and joy, his daughter is like slipping through his fingers with some sort of uh, deteriorative uh, disability that we don't know about just yet. And he finds a note in a jacket that he got off eBay and it's in Spanish and it says, help me. And in an effort to bring some meaning to his life, he travels off to seek whoever put that note in the jacket that he bought. Ooh. Intriguing premise. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's Telephone by Percival Everett. Is that right, Mom? Yep. Okay. Check your local library or book retailer. That'll do it for this week's edition of Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more pop culture. Um, I don't have anything <laughs> on my card here, though, Mom. What should we talk about next week? Well, definitely something interesting. Okay, something interesting. So you can look forward to that. Thank you for listening this week. If you enjoy the show, don't forget, tell your friends. And we love to get email. It's popmomatological.net. Talk to us about anything, because we love you. And Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too. <laughs>